I'm going to turn this on. And am I on? If my mama tunes in right now and sees me in church preaching without a tie, she's going to kill me. Uh, so that is all. My, that is all there is to it. So, mm, are we live stream right now? Okay. Nobody call my mama because I don't want nothing to happen. Because it wouldn't surprise me a bit if she walked through that back door right now. Um, so, anyways, but I was talking about your brother. Um, Sunday night, just Sunday night, I was talking about him, and my mom was an ER nurse uh, all those years, and uh, she always, growing up in the house, I was talking about when, when, when you live in the house, and when you leave the house, uh, you can do whatever you want, my mom's, you can do whatever you want to after you leave, but while you live in this house, and my mom had certain things, and one of them was, you're never going to ride a motorcycle, you're just not going to ride one, crazy people drive motorcycles, uh, and uh, people that have no sense drive motorcycles, Bobby. Um, people that weren't raised right ride motorcycles. And so this is how we were raised, right? So, but I love motorcycles, and, uh, and I'm like, Mama, I'm going to get me a motorcycle when I get out of this house. She said, Bobby, as long as you live in this house, you're not getting a motorcycle, and you're not going to ride one. Well, this, this young man came to college named Mark Shook. And, uh, and, and Mark mm, pulled up on a beautiful Nighthawk, blue motorcycle. And, um, and one day we were hanging out, both in college together. And Mark, Mark, let me borrow your bike, man. He said, yeah, go ahead and borrow it. So I'm on that bike, beautiful day. I'm sitting at a stop sign and this Buick LeSabre pulls up next to me. It's my mama. And my mama, and I'm sitting there, and I, you, you act like you don't see her. Hopefully she doesn't see you. And, uh, and then she rolls down that window on that Buick LeSabre. You know, the one where you push the button and wait for three days for it to get, get all the way down. Uh, and so my mama looked out that window, looked at me and said, Sir, uh-uh, sir, if you see my son Bobby, you tell him to get off that bike and to get back home. And she just rolled that window back up. And uh, so, so every time she saw Mark after that, I was like, you stay away from my son. Keep him off. So anyways, but uh, I am so honored to be here. Um, right now, I pastor two churches back home, and my day goes very long on Sunday, but I have a 50-mile drive uh, in between each church. Uh, so I'll start at 8 o'clock, and then I'll be 8 o'clock, drive back to Emmanuel, 1030, drive back down at 3 o'clock, drive back to Emmanuel at 5.30, uh, but uh, I have churches I binge watch on the way, and Bailey's Grove is one of them uh, that I love uh, just going back to the archives, pulling up sermons, listening, getting sermons for next Sunday, and uh, so, uh, but anyways, thank you for having a pastor who gives me my sermons. Uh, so I have to take the phone out once in a while on the side of the road, get on my knees and go, God. That way I can honestly say, I got this sermon this morning on my knees on the side of the road. And uh, it's Pastor Shook and writing it down. Uh, but I did not know that Miss Christie went here. And I did not know that he is your son. Uh, and so, and I didn't feel old until uh, Miss Christie told me how old she was. And I was like, wow, sister, you look good for 62. And uh, so... Uh, <laughs> But anyways, but praise the Lord on that. We have enjoyed our time at camp. I'm quite not, I'm not quite sure 
that uh, some of them have recovered from being baptized with the seed of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, I took that and dumped it all over. So, but we have pinto beans everywhere. Miss Dawn, Miss Dawn, she sent me a picture of a pinto bean. Somehow it made it to the kitchen where the forks are at. Uh, but anyways, thank you. Thank you very much, Bailey Groves, for uh, being the kind of church that you are. And I hear y'all usually get out of here by 745 on Wednesday night. Oh, a bunch of heathens. All right. So, no, we'll, we'll get out. You know, in packing the sermons, praying, the Lord impressed me to put a sermon in the briefcase and bring it. I did not know we were coming to the house of God. Uh, and uh, now I know why. Take your Bibles, go to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. We serve a great God, don't we? Boy, we serve a great God. And I love your theme, Behold I Go. Uh, and our theme for this summer, I was telling Brother Hamilton, is gospel forward. Go forward, gospel forward. And uh, so uh, we're going to win everybody we can win, baptize everybody we can baptize, and uh, disciple everybody we can disciple. Amen. I want to be uh, just uh, tonight, I want to tell you a little bit about my life and uh, maybe what the Lord has done. It's not going to be necessarily the focal point. Uh, but I do want to uh, read John chapter 18 and verse number 1. And let's read that all the way down through verse number 12, if that'll be okay. And don't you love what preacher says? If you would, would you take your Bibles? Like, who's going to stand up and go, no? Uh, no? And uh, if you would read with me, no? Uh, so anyways, but you, you never know, do you? You, you never know what's going to happen. Have you all had protesters come to the house yet? House of God yet? Man, Sunday, a couple weeks ago, this lady in psychedelic hair down front, and, and uh, she was there, and the church is a buzz. And I'm walking through the church, and they're like, hey, pastor, we got one here. And I was like, we got one what? Said, we got a protester here. And uh, the day before, when the soul winners were, were out, uh, she was going cussing and going before cussing, coming after, knocking on doors ahead of them. Don't listen to them like that. It's like Bible time. Uh, well, then she shows up. Uh, so she's going to make a disturbance, she thinks. And uh, so, I, so the morning service, singing like y'all are doing and just enjoying singing. She's sitting right down there. And so I would say, man, Jesus is wonderful. She turned around mock uh, to the people behind what I would say and uh, came down front during handshaking. And I said, ma'am, ma'am. This is God's house, and he put me in charge. You can't do this in God's house. She said, I'm here to bring awareness about abortion, and I'm here to bring awareness about women's rights. I said, not in this house, you're not. And uh, these women got too many. No, I'm kidding. Not here. Don't tell them. But, but she got mad, and she left. So I've always wondered what would happen if somebody stood up and challenged me. I'd run. Uh, that's what would happen. So. I'm a man. So John chapter 18, and let's look at verse number one, John chapter number 18. Can y'all stand? Will that be okay? Let's all stand if you're able to. John chapter 18. Hey, if you want to. Uh, so if y'all get a hankering to, you just go ahead and stand. John chapter 18 and uh, verse number one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron where it was a garden, into the which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns, torches, and weapons. 
Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should, be, that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Then they, they answered him, Jesus of, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, and I want you to take note of the next two verses. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote, all, smote the high priest's servant's ear. Uh, smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. And I want you to read the last remaining of the verse with me. Ready? The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We, we thank you for all that you've done. The freedom that we have to stand in the house of God. The freedom to preach the word, the freedom to sing. Lord, we thank you for the men and women who gave us this freedom, who gave us the land we live in. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the camp this week. And Lord, the, uh, just how you've moved in our hearts and moved in my heart. And God, I ask that once again tonight, something will happen. In years to come, they may forget who the messenger was. May they never forget the message. May it burn within us. May a spiritual truth that we learn in a temporal setting, may it just have eternal dividends in our lives. God, please, long after this PA is done and long after the lights are shut off, may the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us, may it still be speaking loudly. God, we need to be changed. Change us. Change us that we might change the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May be seated. I have three children. Um, I think before I tell you I have three children, I better tell you I'm married uh, and I have three children. Uh, from those three children, I've grown into five grandchildren. And I have a picture of my family uh, that I, did y'all get that picture? You got it? So just put the fam up there. And uh, so that's my family. We're only missing one grandchild. Uh, going from the right to the left, that's Josh, and my son-in-law, Deanna, my daughter. Uh, that's my wife standing to my left. Uh, I have my hand on Grayson's shoulder. That's my grandson. Then Blake standing to my right, my son Jordan, and then my daughter-in-law Grace, and then Grant, and then Natalie's right there. Uh, we have one more. His name is Chip, and uh, he didn't make the picture because he wasn't born yet. Uh, so, uh, and then on the very end is our special needs son. R.G. Robert Glenn Gray III. I have a single picture of him, and if you'll put that up there, and uh, that's R.G. He's 31. He's as skinny as that mic right there, and uh, and he's our special needs son. He is the joy um, of our life. If anybody has a special needs child, then you'll understand they don't have bad years and bad months. They only have a bad five minutes. You can go ahead and take him off. He, uh, he is a, an amazing young man. Uh, he was not something that we planned to come into our life. 
Uh, but God so chose to give us a special needs son. I named him after me, Robert Glenn Gray III. When we found out we were going to have a boy, my dad's Robert Glenn Gray I. I'm Robert Glenn Gray II. And then Robert Glenn Gray III. And I thought, you know, we could just keep having Bob Grays and we could all go around the country persecuting the saints. And so, uh, uh, so I thought, man, we could just keep having Bob Grays. And, uh, but, uh, RG, um, he, uh, he's, when he was younger, he was a kleptomaniac. Uh, he was a thief. Uh, so, uh, he, he would, if, if he was, man, he'd steal stuff from the family. He'd steal stuff from the restaurant. He'd steal stuff. That special needs kid, he would, and, and Kelly and I are going to write a book, uh, called, uh, In My Pocket and Under My Pillow. Uh, the stories of R.G. Gray, because everything he would take, he would put it in his pocket, and then at nighttime, he'd clean out his pocket, and he'd put it under the pillow. It's not uncommon for someone to call and say, hey, y'all were just at the house, um, my car keys are missing, uh, my wallet's missing, uh, my, no, I'm kidding, I'm not kidding, y'all, my, my ring's missing, my, if you took it off and laid it down, R.G. would pick it up, and he'd put it in his pocket, and sure enough, we'd go to the pillow, and we'd lift up the pillow, and we'd have to return all this merchandise to everybody, that's just R.G., R.G.'s an imitator, if he were, if he was here, and guys, he saw you sitting right here, he would have to have those shoes. He would have to have that Bible. Uh, he, he would have, he'll bug us to death. Everybody he's next to said, said, oh, I gotta have a, he has a purple Bible, a pink Bible, a blue Bible, a green Bible, a camo Bible. Uh, and, and that, that's our son. So our son's an imitator. Uh, he is a blessing. He's 31. Um, and, uh, but he has stories. He's always doing things that, that are hilarious. That when you really think about them, you're like, okay, okay, no, no, no. That was funny. Um, I was out of town preaching a couple of years ago, and I invited a preacher to come from an area church. And uh, I wasn't there, you know. I had somebody host them, and I wasn't there. So I called him the next day and said, hey, man, how did it go? He said, Pastor, it went great um, until I got kicked out of my seat. And I was like... Like, like you got kicked out of your seats. Yeah, I got there early and I came down to the, to the right side and sir, where you're sitting on the very end of the front row. And he said, I sat down, I got my, my Bible and, and this, this, this kid came up and I, I, this young man came up and, uh, and he has a cane. So RG has to walk with a cane now. Um, and so he took the end of the cane, he bam and, uh, he hit the preacher and, and, uh, and he went, move over, move over, Mati, move over. And, uh, and the preacher just moved over, uh, and I was like, where were you sitting at? I mean, what was going, then it dawned on me, I said, oh, Brother Barfield, I am so sorry, that's my son, R.G., and, uh, I am, I, that's R.G., like, like Kelly was late getting to the service the other day, no, my, 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 uh, uh, sister-in-law picked up my son, because Kelly and I were out of town, and they were late getting to the, uh, service, well, the choir's, he sings in the choir, sings in the choir, Every Sunday. And, uh, but if he's late, he don't care what part of the service it's in. He just walks in the choir, pushes everybody away. That's R.G. Just a couple of stories, if you would. When he was younger, uh, he really didn't walk until he was a little bit older, which means he, he wasn't uh, potty trained. So he, so he was still in diapers, long story. And uh, well, I had back surgery in 99. And uh, he was born in, in 91. 
And uh, so I was, I had back surgery in 99. So by this time, he's seven, eight years old, uh, still not able to really get around. Uh, and so Kelly said, hey, can you uh, watch our Jeep? And I was like, I'm in, right? So have you ever fallen asleep on the couch and you woke up and you're like, where am I? What, should, should I rephrase that? Have you ever fallen asleep in church and you woke up and went, okay. Uh, so I woke up and it was like, oh no. Oh no, RG. So I got up off the couch and there was RG's shoes and a little bit further there was his socks, a little bit further there was his shirt, a little bit further there was his pants, a little bit further there was his diaper. That kid had crawled to the to the driveway and he took his clothes off. He's shedding like a snake. He's shedding his clothes as he's headed to the front door. And you know them little red fire engines that you'd get in and you'd go like this? My son is naked as a jaybird in the front, in the front uh, driveway. And he's like this. Well, our neighbors have come out by this time because they've known, keep an eye on RG in the neighborhood. It was a great neighborhood. And, uh, and finally, they're standing there going, hey, hey, Bob, your kid's naked. And I'm like, I know, I know. And I went, RG. And he went to stand up and said, sit down. <laughs> Just sit down, boy. And uh, so lift the fire engine, walk him in. That's RG. Our RG was, uh, we put the kids to bed and, and, you know, fast forward a couple of years. So we put the kids to bed and, and uh, just Kelly and I. And uh, so I started chasing Kelly. Uh, around the house. And, you know, Kelly, good fundamental independent Baptist, she had that robe on that came to her ankles and extended another six feet. And uh, so, uh, so I'm, I'm chasing her. Well, she hops the, the uh, ottoman there and her robe flips up. And, uh, and I said, woo, woo, cute legs. And then I kept chasing her. I thought all the kids were in bed. I thought all the kids were asleep. The next morning, RG is, is, is sitting at the table and he's eating his cereal and his mama comes walking out and, and he go, woo, woo, cute waves. <laughs> I looked at Kelly, Kelly looked at me and, 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 and she said, I thought he was asleep. I said, evidently not. <laughs> well, we go to the store. We're rolling, right? We go to the store and sure enough, here come this lady in a miniskirt. Yeah, and he goes, woo-woo, cute wave. She looks at me, and I'm like, ma'am, I didn't teach him to say that. Y'all, that young man is a blessing to be around, but is like a wow factor. I could stand here and tell you stories. Deanna, she's getting ready for her very first day of Bible college. You know, she comes out and she goes, Dad, how do I look? And I said, babe, turn around. She pirouettes like that. And I said, you look great for your first day of college. RG says something no girl wants to hear. On that first day, he go, woo, woo, cute hips. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> that's RG. That's RG. He loves shiny red things. Um, so he just loves shiny red things. And, uh, you know, in the Metroplex, not in, Ash, not in Ashboro, y'all know y'all don't have a Metroplex here. Like I was looking for coffee last night and walked into IHOP at 930 and they said, we're only doing to-go orders. It's like, well, ma'am, that's all I want is to-go coffee. She could, good. Can't sit down. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> but in the Metroplex, we're coming back through Dallas because we go to children's all the time. And, uh, and, and he goes, I go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. 
newsflash, when a special need kids tell you he has to go to the bathroom, he's not kidding. You go. And uh, so we pulled over in the Metroplex. And, and so I got R.G. And, and when R.G. walks his head, it comes forward because he, he's a, he has a problem with the equilibrium. And, and, and so he'll, he'll, he'll walk. And you have to be very careful. So we're walking along. I got his arm. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm mad. So I, I, like, I'm mad. I got to stop. Kelly's like, take him. He's your son. I said, yeah, when you go to the bathroom, he's my son. And uh, so we're going. Well, there, it's rush hour. And there's like 20 pumps, 30 pumps. I mean, it's huge. We're walking up. There's a shiny red button on the side of this wall. And RG reaches up and bam, hits that thing. It's the automatic shutoff for all the pumps on all the islands. And people started going, I've never heard God talked about more in my... That's RG. One last story. I could stay in here. I literally, I could stay in here all night. One last story. I'm doing what every good Baptist does between August and February on Sunday afternoon. I'm watching football. Amen on that one. And um, I'm watching the Cowboys beat up on the Buffalo Bills. So anyway, so, so, I, so I got my hands behind and I'm just kicked back in the recliner. Kelly's in doing the dishes. Well, RG's been to so many doctors that he comes and he said, I want to take a temperature. I want to take a temperature. Well, you've learned to ignore RG. You, you've just learned that you don't pay RG any attention because when he gets in this zone, you just leave him alone. And so I got my hands behind my head. I take your temperature. So he puts his hand on my head. He go, he go, oh, you want FIBA. You want FIBA. And then he leaves. He comes back and he says, I want to take your pulse. So he puts his hand on my wrist. He go, bum, 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 bum. And he leaves. He comes back and he said, I take your temperature. I take your temperature. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. I'm not paying attention. I'm watching football. So I open my mouth. He sticks something in my mouth. And he sticks it way right down in there. Well, it's a black cord that goes all the way out with a black box on the end with two prongs on the end of this black box. It is the power adapter to the PlayStation. The problem is there's a short in the PlayStation on this end where the adapter you put it in, it is now collecting in a sea of saliva in the back of my mouth. I'm sitting there like this. He goes behind the recliner and he plugs it in. And all what are you doing? You put my tongue. You go, I die, I die, I die. I don't believe you, die. You put my tongue. I die, I die, I die. Kelly's in the kitchen, turns around and goes, Are y'all having a good conversation? And I'm like, Woman, you fell up because that That's RG. That is just RG. I could go on and on about RG. But, but he's had a lot of surgeries, and one day we were in Dallas, and, and uh, he was get, he's getting ready to have a pectus carinatum. His chest is protruded, and so what they were going to do is they were going to go break his chest and kind of work on this pectus area. And, and so uh, that Tuesday morning, I got up in the Ronald McDonald house, and uh, I used to make fun of the little Ronald McDonald containers and, until you need them. And... Uh, Good people, good people. We've been there a hundred times. And, uh, but that day I went down to the chapel and, and I was in the chapel and, and I was uh, truly, truly struggling, struggling 
I married a good woman. I love the Lord. And then why? God, I don't understand this. Why did you give us a mongrel? Why did you give us a freak show? Why did you even decide to do this? And I was kind of sitting there, I was reading the prayer book in that little chapel there, and it's a house, the Ronald McDonald house is, is a house where, where everybody who's handicapped and every child that, that has dysmorphic features and, and cancer and, and just a lot of tragedy around you. And I'm reading these prayer books of just these hateful, God, why? You've been mean to me. And I'm like, God, I love you, but I'm struggling. You're going to have to give me something. I took my Bible and I opened it and it fell to this passage. And the only thing I could read was this, the cup. My father hath given me, shall I not drink it? In chapter 18, Jesus is crossing over the book Kidron. And he's entering into the famous garden of betrayal and arrest. Judas had betrayed him and is now approaching him to turn him over for arrest. When they attempt to take Jesus... Peter draws a sword and cuts the ear of one of the soldiers named Malchus off. Jesus then makes an astounding statement in the form of a question. The cup, which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? When Jesus made reference to the cup, he was not talking about a literal cup. He was talking about his lot or his fate. The cup he was talking about was that very moment right there in the garden... Everything Jesus was about, everything Jesus came to this earth for, had come down to that moment, betrayed by a friend, arrested by the very ones he came to save, the Savior mocked by sinners, perfection abused by imperfection, the divine being beaten by the depraved, the Son of God suspended between heaven and hell, naked, hanging in open shame. It was this moment, His whole earthly ministry came down to this one time and he said, the cup. The the, the cup that Jesus was facing, this was his fate, this was his destiny, this would be his identity, this is what we look back on, this is the cross, this is the time, this was the cup. There were two reactions to the cup. The first reaction was Peter's reaction and that was to fight the cup. Peter said, we don't have to take this. Let me draw my sword and let me start fighting our way out of the garden and let's get away from here. Peter was wanting to fight it. Jesus' reaction was to face it. Peter wanted to fight it. Jesus said, no, put your sword up. We're going to face it. Jesus realized that the cup was brought his way by the Father and it was part of his journey to get salvation to the entire world. I'm speaking to people in this auditorium that I don't know your lives, but I'll tell you, have you ever been to the cupboard of your life and you opened the cupboard only to look at a cup and you said, oh no, no, no. This happens to everybody else. This is what everybody else goes through. This, it's a cup. Many of you have entered into your garden and your heavenly father has placed a cup in the cupboard of your life. Not a pleasant cup, not a delightful cup, not a cup of your choosing. 
Maybe it's a cup of family problems. Maybe it's a cup of divorce. Maybe it's a cup of physical pain. Maybe it's a cup of emotional distress. Maybe it's a cup of heartbreak. Maybe it's a cup of loneliness. Maybe, maybe it's a cup of broken or distant friendships. Maybe it's a cup of being abused. Maybe it's the cup of the death of a loved one. Maybe it's the cup of divorced parents. Maybe it's the cup of an older sibling gone wrong. Maybe it's a cup of a handicap. Maybe it's a cup of a financial hardship. Maybe it's the cup of a prodigal child or a prodigal parent. Whatever, whatever cup that you are facing in your life, you, my friend, only have one of two decisions that you can make about that cup. You can either fight the cup or you can face the cup. You can fight what the Lord's trying to do or you can face what the Lord's trying to do. But let me give you just a warning on the side of the label of the cup. If you decide to fight it, you're going to end up hurting innocent people around you. Oh, I made up my mind early on when RG was born. It was a tough lesson to learn, but I made up my mind. I am not going to make life tough on that on that dear lady I call my wife because it wasn't her fault that we had a baby like that. I'm not going to make it tough on the rest of my children because it wasn't their fault. You fight it. You're going to hurt people. Some of you right now are making your home something that's not pleasant to live in. You're making your marriage something that's not pleasant to live in. Teenagers, you don't like where you're at, maybe. You don't like what's going on. And every day you wake up, you battle, you you put the battle gear on, you've drawn the sword, and you're like, I'm not taking it, and I'm going to fight. Listen, you can either fight this cup, or you can face it. You fight it, you hurt people. You face it, you become a savior to people. You become an encouragement to people. I am totally shocked. Still to this day, I'm shocked. He's 31 years of age. He almost died about a year ago. And I'm always amazed that when I rush to the hospital or we rush to Dallas or we rush someplace, I am always amazed when I look around the dad's who are nowhere to be found. Well, I'm sitting there with a special needs son, and when we went to children all those years when he was younger, I'm amazed how many single mothers had to walk with a freak show through life. And I say that very respectfully. And then when I start talking to him, well, where, where's your husband? It's amazing how these, these single mamas would go, well, he couldn't take it, and he walked out. This is not what he bargained for. This is not what he signed up for. I am not going to live and I'm not going to die fighting what God's trying to do in my life. I'm going to live and I'm going to die facing that cup. Because when my children cross that casket and they look at their daddy and those grandchildren look at their grandbob laying there and those church members look at their pastor, they're going to know that there was a man in their life that didn't fight what God was trying to do. I faced what God was trying to do. And I want the world to know that this cup was given to me by my father. And I'm going to face it. Oh, we need some Christians that stand up and recognize my God is trying to do something not to me, but through me. Before you make your decision, understand, if you face the thing that's going on in your life right now, you may not be a hero right now. Boy, people are going to love you later on. But if you fight it, you hurt 
Let me give you several things and I'm done because I understand that I normally am done with church by 8.15. We dismiss everything at Emmanuel at 8.15 on Wednesday night. And uh, I just took great comfort to know it's 8.04 here. It's 7.04 back home. I got an hour to go. First thing I want to tell you about this cup is your cup was planned by the Father. Don't think your God's asleep. There's nothing going on in your life that is not being allowed by the Father. What though the way be lonely and dark the shadows fall, I know where'er he leadeth, my Father planned it all. I sing through the shade and the sunshine, I'll trust him whatever befall. I sing for I cannot be silent. My father planned it all. You know how you face it? You face it knowing this. He's not doing this to me. And for whatever reason in the, in, 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 in the design room in the heaven when it came to Bob and Kelly's life, Bob and Kelly were given a child. That will be with us till we die. I don't understand it. I was going to bring Kelly with me on this trip. I said, babe, pack your bags. Let's go. She looked at me. She said, what do we do with RG? I said, bring him. Bob, you know he can't make that trip. You know. I said, I know. But you listen to me. My God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us RG. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that your father knows exactly what he's doing in your life? Could it be your bad attitude and could it be, well, I didn't sign up for this. Well, just because you didn't sign up for it doesn't mean the Lord didn't put your name on the dotted line for it. And I think Christianity is a good old-fashioned dose of taking God off trial and looking at God and saying, God, you're a good God. And God, you're not a bad God. And God, you don't do anything to me to hurt me. You do everything through me. And I want to count it in honor. RG's our second child. And, and when we uh, we're going to go have our third, we had to do this. Okay, so what's going on? Is it Kelly's DNA? Is it my DNA? Is it Kelly's chromosome? Is it my women? Through all this chromosome testing, we, it's an amazing chart that you put up here. And, and all of a sudden, you see where the chromosomes interact. You take his chromosomes. The DNA testing that this world has is amazing. And they, their, their calculation at the very end of it, because we wanted to have more children, and they said, okay, Mr. and Ms. Gray, you need to know that if you have, if you decide to have another child, that if, if it's a girl, it, it'll, it'll be a lesser percent that the girl will turn out like RG. If it's a boy, there's a, a bigger percent. But, but, but what we can do is we can kind of take this and put it into a test tube and we can kind of test the fluids as the incubation is going on. And if we find the same fluids that exist, that's a precursor to any type of of. of, of you, you know, he's trying to be very polite, any type of Down syndrome, any type of whatever, then we'll just throw, the, throw it away. 
Like, excuse me? I, I said, sir, you listen to me. If my God wants to give us another child just like R.G., that's God's business. That's not my business. Boy, them first couple of months, I beat myself up. Did I do something? Is it, God, are you punishing me? I gave my life to you when I was 17, and this is the end? Are you serious? But I had to come to grips with this. My father planned this. And once I settled down in my spirit that my father planned this. The second thing I want to tell you is this. The cup always has suffering. Y'all, whoever told you that, you, that what you're going to go through, there will not be dark days. There will not be days of crying. Teenagers, listen to this. This is not a charismatic church to where it's all going to be roses with no thorns. You listen to me. God's going to bring a cup into your life. I wish I could stand here and tell you that it's not going to happen. And with some of you, it's already going on. But I'm telling you, please know this, that the suffering and the pain that you're going through, it's part of this cup. It has to be part of this cup. Please know this. The dark days have got to be part of this cup. Boy, I'm not going to go into it. But if I had a nickel for every time I pulled that truck over on the side of the road and I've gotten out and I've walked through the East Texas pastures and I've said, God, I do not understand. And God, this stinks and it hurts. You know why there has to be suffering? Would you please go to Philippians 3.10? When I found this verse, I found a source, a source that now when I get those dark days, look at it, Philippians 3.10. Are y'all there? That I may know him. What's the next phrase? And uh, that I may know him. He died. He was buried. But would you please look at what that one phrase says? And the fellowship of his. Say it out loud. Of his what? I've tried. I've tried going to my dad. When that thing first happened, I was 31 years ago. I can remember going to my dad's office and. Dad. I'm dying. All my dad could do was just hug me and say, son, I love you. You ain't got the answer. I'd sit with my wife in that hospital room and and I'd look at her and she'd look at me and she didn't have the answer. But boy, when I backed up in the midnight hour, I ran into somebody and He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks in the sound of his voice. You know why there has to be suffering? So that you can have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Because one day he was on the cross and one day the sky grew black and one day his father turned his back and he cried from the cross, my God, 
God the Father. My God! God the Holy Spirit. Why hast thou forsaken me? And I think he did that so that when you and I would get to that point in our life, we think to ourselves, I'm alone. I'm like, I'm all alone. But the Lord goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. Young people, that cup was planned by the Father. Whatever you're going through right now, adults, whatever you're going through, he looked at your life and said, I'm going to put that cup in their cupboard. I opened that cup 31 years, the cupboard 31 years ago. Some of you, you're going to open it. Father planned it. They're suffering. (laughs) But number three, the cup always has a resurrection. It's just temporal. It's not permanent. Do you understand that when Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. Did you know what he said? Put that sword up, Peter. This cup, my father is playing for me. But Jesus knew this. I'm coming out of the grave and everything going on in my life right now, it's going to be over. Over. I'm an athlete and a legend in my own mind. Number 34, they should retire my jersey. When I go into that gym, when the school gets kicked up and starts playing, I'm looking for my jersey number. Why isn't it retired in this gym? And my younger son and I love to play ball. RG, tried to teach him to play t-ball. Can I get that stand right there? Give me that stand right there. Take the mic off. I I tried to teach him how to play t-ball, and I'm going to hurry. Tried to teach him how to play t-ball, and and here you go. Let me see. So I, I put that, I put that. That, that T-ball on that stand and put that ball up there and I dragged that kid to the backyard. And so he, 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 he's pigeon toe and he come walking out, dragging that bat. I'd put that ball right there and I'd put that bat in his hands and I said, I hit the ball. And he'd, he'd hit the, he'd hit the stand. The stand would fall down, the ball would drop and he'd go, I can't do it. And I was like, boy, ain't no son of mine that carries my name is going to act like a wimp. You, you put that bat back up and we'll put that ball back up. And Kelly's like, remember, he's special needs. I don't care what the kid is. He's not acting that way. We would play and we would try. And so we have a little league. And so I go to the, go to the coach and, and uh, the church is showing up and the, the teams are playing. And, 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 I, and I go to the coach ahead of time and said, look, y'all are in the championship game. Would it be okay if RG just played? Like, I've been teaching him how to do this on the tee, and would this be okay? He said, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get him in. And I was like, all right, all right. So I told his mama, he's going in. We bought the uniform, bought number 34, put gray three on the back, and I said, that's my boy right there, and uh, put his hat on, his hat, his hat, his, his, his ear, it's, it's flopped down over his ears. He's sitting up on the bench, and he's just sitting just like this on the bench, he just... <laughs> Looking this way, sweat's running down his face. And I go up to the coach, you know, he's getting to the, you know, T-ball only plays a certain number of innings. And, and I went, hey, hey, coach, hey, coach, um, are you going to put him in? He said, I'm going to put him in. I said, good, because he may not be normal, but his mother's normal. And she's like, when they put my boy in, when they put my boy in, when they put my boy in. And so finally he steps up and he goes, now batting, number 34, R.G. Gray. When R.G. heard his name, whoop. 
bad. And here he come out, and he's dragging that bat out, and goes up to home plate. And I'm standing behind the fence, and they 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 put that ball up there, and 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 he takes and he swings. I can't do it. I'm like, this is not the time to act like your mother. Pick that bat back up and get that ball back on there, and you better hit that ball. And so finally, he he hits the ball. The ball dribbles down, and I go, run, run, run. The catcher picks it up and throws it to the center field. I'm like, you got him, man. Run. He runs to the pitcher's mound. No! (laughs) By the time... And, and they're just throwing this ball back and forth, and now the crowd is going nuts, and, and RG's just like, oh. So finally, he gets the first base. First base. He's headed home. And here he comes. Oh, he head home. And I'm going, slide! Slide! Uh, if that's the plate. He stops that far from home plate. The coach picks him up and throws him out. Yeah! But I can't tell you how many times I throw him a ball and it hits his chest and it'll drop and he'll just look at me like, why did you do that? Oh, but there's coming a day. Coming a day. I'm going to be able to look him in his eyes. He's 31 right now, and I can't do anything with him. He's the joy of my life. But there's coming a day when we get to heaven. You let that trumpet sound. And after I've worshipped and kissed on God and Jesus for a thousand years, I'm going to see him, y'all. And I'm going to walk up and I'm going to say, Amen. He's going to look at me with all clarity. He's going to say, hi, Dad. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand, and he leads me through that promised land, oh, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, and no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, and no more pain. And no more parting over there. And forever will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious I don't know what you're going through, but your father planned it. I don't know what you're going through, but there's going to be dark days. Don't run from it. I don't know what you're going through, but it's only temporary. Wait on it. Wait on it. Y'all, 
I've done you all a disservice. That's not even the sermon. The fourth thing I had to figure out was this, and I'm done. The cup has never been about me. The cup has never been about me. Do you know what it's been about? Others. When I saw that and I was like, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it for what? What purpose to drink out of it? Why spend the time drinking out of it? You know what Jesus knew? I'm drinking this cup so I can go to Calvary. I'm drinking this cup so I can be buried for three days. And I'm drinking this cup so I can come out of there after three days and save an entire world. You see, everything going wrong in your life is not about you. Stop looking in the mirror and stop sucking your thumb and stop wimping your way through life. Realize God wants to use your cup to reach a lost and dying world with his love. Woo! When I figure that out, I have had the time of my life living with this cup. There have been more people get saved because of RG. There's been more open doors because I have a special needs son. Why? Because you're looking at a man that decided, I'm going to face the cup. I'm not going to fight the cup. I'm going to hold my head up high. I'm not walking like I've been a victim. I'm a victor because my father planned it all. Well, you don't understand. Oh, shut up and look into the eyes of the Savior and realize he didn't do this to you. He's trying to work through you. Woo! Man, let me tell you something. The cup's never been about you. Have you ever sitting one time in a surgery? Did I just move this pulpit? Sorry about that. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I would pick it up, but these guys think that they're strong and I don't want to demoralize them. <laughs> he was having a surgery and and when he was having a surgery, they came and said, hey, your son's ready as an ICU. And so I, we packed up and said goodbye to our friends around us. And we're walking down the hallway, and I have never heard a man cry like this. It was a black Nigerian man. His name was Articus Prince. And he is sitting in this waiting room. And he is, I have never, I have never heard this. When we turned that corner, you could hear it. And everybody in the hallway was just like, what do we do? And I looked at my wife and I said, once again, we know the why. And I said, you head on to ICU. And I stepped in, got my Bible and I stepped in there. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, sir, sir. Are you okay? And that black man looked up at me and his eyes are now bloodshot and through that dark Nigerian skin and those yellow red eyes. He looked at me and he said, no. I said, sir, I'm a Christian. This is a Bible. What is going on? He said, we spent all of our money to come to America. My daughter, Erin, has a hole in her heart. They just told us they can't do anything. She's going to die. His wife's name was Paul, and she couldn't take it. She ran out of the room, and he's bawling like a baby. And I said, Articus, I said, 
the Bible tells us where children go. And in Zechariah chapter 8, it gives us a glimpse of children playing in the new Jerusalem. Hey, y'all, listen to this. You know God's a great babysitter when he'll let children get on something new. How many of you daddies know what I'm talking about? Get a new truck. It's like take your body off and get in. (laughs) He looked at me and I said, if Aaron dies, she goes to heaven. God becomes her babysitter. He wiped his eyes and he said, how do I go? How do I go? And I took the Bible and I showed him about a savior who came and died on an old rugged cross. Listen to me. Stop running from what's going on in your life and realize God wants to use it. Because what's worse, you living with a cup and dying and going to heaven or somebody else living with the same cup and dying and going to a devil's hell. God says, how do I get my grace to a world? You know how he gets it? Through a thorn. Grace is the serum that's in the syringe, the needles, the thorn, and he has to punch the needle in, push his grace in so that you can get the grace. I don't know what your cup is, but I'll tell you this much as we end. Stop fighting it. You've made life miserable on everybody, sir. Stop it. Granddad, you've lived too long this way. Stop it. Teenage sister, no reason for it. You're done slamming your last cabinet, stomping to your room, slamming your... Stop it. Get right with God. Face your cup. Say, I just don't think I'm ready to do that. Then may these words ring in your spirit for days and weeks, and maybe there come a time where you just say, I'm done fighting. God, you just do whatever you need to do. How do you face your cup? Three ways. Number one, with the word of God. I don't know how I would have made it without that book. I don't know. The second way you make it is with the songs of God. Pianist, if you'll come, we're getting ready. You make it with the songs of God. That's why songs that you sing right now. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He lifted me way up high and set my feet upon the mountaintop. Just think of it. The Lord, the Ter of loves me with. You know what your songs from the world are doing? They're making you hate your life more. But boy, when we start singing, if I had my way, we would sing for an hour. We'd preach for five minutes and we'd come back and sing for another hour. Want to know why? There is something about plugging those AirPods in. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to plug them things in. And I'm just going to be jamming for Jesus. Because it be like, whoa, praise God. You say, what are you listening to? How great thou art. Praise God. <laughs> and you know the next way you make it is the house of God. Don't miss church. Well, I'm having a tough time. I'm going to stay home. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Come to church. You need the house of God. They, they, they are, and I really, I'm coming to the close. They were um, telling us, um, now, now, look, look. People with special needs, people, they need a support system. And I was like, okay. Um, you, you need to find a local chapter 
of people just like you. And I said, we have one. Oh. This lady sitting across the desk, dumb as a box of bricks. She was like, oh, wow, that was quick. And said, okay, so sometimes this support system, the support group is going to need some financial contributions. And I said, oh, man, we do. We give 10% plus to our local chapter. And she's like, wow, that's commitment. Still ain't getting it. Then she said, look, I know sometimes the meetings inconvenience you when they meet, whether it be once a month or whenever, but you're really going to need to rearrange your schedule. I said, ma'am, our local chapter meets three, four times a week. In fact, we got week-long meetings that we hold just to talk about our handicap. And she was like, really? Now, that's amazing. She said, now, you need to find one that's a part of a national chapter organization. That way, if if you move, you can find another support group. I said, ma'am, there are local chapters of our support group all over the world. She was like, really? And I was like, yes, ma'am. She goes, what is the name of this kind of organization? I said, ma'am, take your pen. C-H-U-R. When she wrote it out, she went, oh, church. I said, ma'am, it may be old church to you, but it's our lifeline. It's our lifeline. What other place can you go when your special needs son goes to the back parking lot to get on a bus? Because everybody else is going to get on a bus. And, and somebody who rides the bus brings him to you and says, I don't think you want him going to Shreveport today. Hey, man, Thanks. Your handicap, your cup, what greater place to come than all of us got issues? Y'all straighten up your halo right now. You got issues. Your horns are holding up your halo. You got issues. Face it. Don't fight it. What is it that you don't like right now? And I'm not holding out a tin cup asking you to feel sorry for me. Because I've cornered the market on my own tin cup. But I know this. God did not do this to me. God's doing this through me. And if I had, if I had time to tell you stories of people getting saved because of RG, people gonna be in heaven, I'm not gonna waste my cup. Heads bowed, eyes closed, heaven.